Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Bally Sports Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché, here in the year 2023. And as has become a bit of a tradition, we are getting to our annual best of podcast at the end of the year. This is actually now our third best of podcast for Miami Miked Up as we started this pod back in the summer, early fall of 2021, got through all of 2022, and now we're here sitting at the end of 2023, and I'm very excited to say that we'll be bringing Miami Miked Up into the new year, into 2024 on Bally Sports. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts and watch video clips of the show at Bally Sports Florida on Instagram, at Bally Heat on Twitter, at Bally Marlins, at Bally Panthers. You know the drill. Um, But this has been a really special year for the podcast um, and a really special year for me personally getting to cover all of these teams. It was such an incredible calendar year for the three teams that we have here at Bally Sports. Obviously, the Heat and the Panthers each making runs to their respective finals. The Marlins making a miraculous run to the postseason. Um, And getting to cover those through this podcast, and even adjacently with the actual broadcast that we have as a sideline reporter with the Miami Heat, part of the Emmy Award-winning That's Emmy Award-winning Marlins Clubhouse, uh, as well as Marlins All Access for the Marlins and, of course, keeping up with the Panthers as well. But this has been a really special year professionally. Um, I'm very grateful to all of the people who have put me in position to host this podcast and continue to be a part of all that we do at Bally Sports. Um, That starts with my direct supervisor, Patrick Brewer, and works all the way up to Steve Tello at the very top of this organization. Um, And I'm thankful to every single person in between. I'm sorry that I'm not naming all of you by name, uh, but I am going to name every single guest that we've had this year by name because I want to make sure that the thank yous are doled out appropriately before we get to these best of clips. Um, And first and foremost, before I say these names, I just want to thank in particular all of our different talent with Bally Sports. You guys have been willing to drop everything in your lives at any given moment to be able to help me out with this podcast, Um, constantly filling in the gaps, constantly providing great analysis, great fun, um, and really some, some, I think, unique coverage of our teams as Bally Sports is the heart of the fan. And so we've got a lot of great information, but also a lot of great emotions. And so thank you to each and every one of you who is listening to this. You guys, first and foremost, um, are genuinely inspirational for me, uh, teach me, and have mentored me, a lot of you. And also, if not, we're friends. And it's been really awesome getting to chat with you guys, whether it's been about our teams or a little bit about Uh, the business that we're in. So I'm going to go ahead and I am going to rattle off every single name of a podcast guest we've had in 2023 chronologically as fast as I can. Ready, set, Amino Hassan, Charles Davis, Ethan Skolnick, Brady Hawk, Greg Sylvander, Alex Toledo, Jessica Smetana, Sarah Sivian, Haywood Highsmith, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Skip Schumacher, Avisael Garcia, Gene Segura, Sandy Alcantara, Garrett Cooper, Jesus Lazardo, Joey Wendell, John Birdie, Anthony Duclair, Jason Jackson, Shocker Saman, Will Manso, Tom Haberstroh, Eric Reed, David Dwork, my, myself, 
Katie Angelson, John Crotty, Amy Otterberg, Pete Blackburn, Rohan Nagkarni, Caleb Martin, Israel Gutierrez, Cody Zeller, Eric Reed and Steve Goldstein, June Lee, Luis Arias, Daniel Alvarez, Paul Severino, Craig Mish, Jake Berger, Tommy Hutton, Josh Appel, Yuri Perez, Jesus Lazardo, Billy Gill, Chris Cody, Braxton Garrett, Jake Minch and Jordan Schusterman, Jazz Chisholm Jr., all of the Florida Panthers, Jessica Blaylock, Amy Otterberg, Wes Goldberg, Will Manso, Brady Hawk again, Craig Damon. Kelly Sacco and Josh Richardson those are all of the guests of Miami Miked Up in 2023 and now we're going to get to a bit of a best of clip show so I tried to do things here whether it was chronologically in groups um, and just some of the stuff that I figured you guys either might remember or might want to hear about and of course it starts with a guy who is well let's be real he's always one of the most interesting guests that we can have on the show he says the darndest things uh and to start this year our interview with jazz chisholm jr at marlin's media day was one of a kind take a listen to this clip from marlin's media day to talk to griffey and sheffield and the guys that like you really grew up watching and grew up trying to be like because like when you think of Griffey, what did everybody try to do? Try to copy Griffey's swing. And you think of Sheffield, what did everybody try to do? Try to copy Sheffield's uh-huh. wiggle, right? And those are both guys that had 500 or 600 home runs in their career. And they're telling me, boy, if you play a healthy season, you're going to be the best player in the league. Mm. So for me, I'm, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to give you the same answer they told me. If I play a healthy season, 160 games, I'll be the best player in the league. You believe you're the best player in the league when you're healthy? Yes. 100%. I wasn't even full. I was at 60% last year playing for 60 games. I was already had a torn meniscus and had a messed up back before the season started. Me, my coaching staff, and my training staff all knew it. But I told them that I wanted to play until I couldn't play anymore. So, and then that's just how it worked out. We already knew I was going to be like gassed out eventually during the season. It was just how long could I maintain for, you know what I mean? And it was only 60 games, so... And now you have that level of physicality and comfort yeah. to where you're saying, hey, I want to go out here and play 140, 150. I'm trying to play 160. If I don't play 162... And you really got to love Jazz. Uh, he's the best. I, I hope he never goes anywhere. Um, and that he's constantly a guest on Miami mic Up. But one of the coolest things of this calendar year, as I mentioned before, was the fact that both the Heat and the Panthers made this insane run to their respective finals. And so when they were both headed into the Eastern Conference Finals, we had a lengthy dual podcast. Rohan Narkarni from Sports Illustrated joined me on the Heat side. Pete Blackburn from the national side of Bally Sports joined me from the Panther side. And both of them set up what was so amazing about these runs for these teams. Yeah, I mean, like once I got past the Bruins, I was like, I was stopped. I stopped being kind of stunned by it because I mean, when you look at the bigger picture, like this team won the President's Trophy last year and like a lot of those pieces are still there. Yeah, they went through some changes. Yeah, they've had worse luck in net and things like that. But like, I, I said at the outs at the start of the the first round series, like okay, the the Panthers once they get good goaltending, they're a very good team, and we saw that and and at the end of the regular season, and it just so happens they've gotten very good goaltending for most of the playoffs, so right. they are a very good team. I didn't expect them to get past the Bruins, but once they did, uh, you know. 
anything was on the table and I still think that anything is on the table for that team uh, if things keep going their way. So, um, you know, am I surprised that they are where they are right now? For sure. And I'm especially surprised that it's Sergei Bobrovsky uh, being the guy who's putting them over the top as opposed to Alex Lyon, who got them right. into the playoffs to begin with. So it's been a weird winding road, but that's what happens when it comes to the playoffs a lot of the times. To me, the way you know Jimmy was not himself in that Knicks series, you know, he said it after one of the games, I'm not a scorer. You know, that's not totally true, but his efficiency took a serious hit in that series. That That's not who Jimmy was during the regular season. That's not who he was during the first round. You could argue he had his best offensive season of his career in the regular season because of how efficient he was. So to me, that that was a sign in the Knicks series that, that he was not 100% because of the efficiency taking a hit. Also, I mean, he's posting photos of himself walking up to the game, and his ankle is like the size of a great crew. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that clearly was was limiting him to some extent. But you you mentioned it. The Knicks, they they did what Milwaukee refused to do, which was throw extra bodies at Jimmy Butler. They trapped him coming out of some pick and rolls, sent a second defender his way, forced him to be more of a facilitator. I don't think that's going to work against Boston. Uh, for multiple reasons. First of all, the heat shooting, it comes and goes. We saw it on fire in the first round. We saw them not hit in the second round. But more importantly, Boston is a team stacked with perimeter defenders, even their bigs, whether it's Robert Williams, Al Horford. They have the capability to switch onto someone like Jimmy Butler, especially because teams, even though he shoots well in the playoffs, teams aren't worried about Jimmy Butler's three-point shooting. It allows them to stick more bigs on him, switch onto him. So, Last year in this series, in this matchup, we saw Jimmy Butler. Derek White was kind of his target. Um, and Derek White's not a bad defender, but when you don't have great options, that's who Jimmy ended up picking on. And he did have a lot of success in that series. But a lot of this series from Miami offensively is going to come down to, can Jimmy have success against switches? Can he find a matchup he likes? Can he go one-on-one and score? Because Boston's great defensively and they're they're going to kind of make Jimmy Butler beat them. He has to be up to that task. And then, of course, because of our Bally Sports partnership with the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, when the Heat were up 3-0 against the Celtics, and one Caleb Martin was dominating his way to, let's be real, what probably should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy. Caleb stopped by via Zoom to chat with me about what had been going so well for him in those conference finals for the Heat during the playoffs. This is actually a really fun interview if you guys want to go back and listen to it now, considering where things ended up. Awesome interview with Caleb Martin. He's always one of the best guys to get to chat with off the court. I know you knew they were going to want to help off of you offensively. They, they were basically going to make you beat them, and obviously you've done so. So how much pride do you take in that and being able to adjust? Uh, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, like you said, uh, you know, those are moments that um, that you work so hard for. And, you know, that's part of uh, being locked in is and the minute that we, uh, you know, got past the second round with the Knicks, I, I knew fully this was going to be a series that I was that I could be vital in and, and important to to making us get to a point to uh, hopefully uh, have a chance to get to the final. So I just knew that you know if we wanted to move the needle, that a lot of guys were have to step up, and especially a guy like me who was who's been kind of counted off, written off, and you know helped off of whatever. I just knew I had to make sure I came in and be assertive and, and uh, not lack any confidence. Take me back to those Eastern Conference Finals, please. Caleb, you know, 
do your job there get us back uh i mentioned how much fun this all was covering all of these teams this season uh specifically for bally sports I also have been fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time working with the Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gatz over at Meadowlark Media, and a couple of my friends from the show stopped by. Early in the year, it was Jessica Smetana, and then later in the year, Billy Gill and Chris Cody shared some Marlins thoughts with me as well. So here's a couple of clips of the crew from DLS. I have to say, I really like podcasts. Um, podcasts were like starting to become a thing when I was in college. So I didn't know like how big they would become and how many jobs there'd be in, in audio. But, um, like I remember Jared Bear, you were probably, you're like around the same age as me, like the serial podcast came out in like 2013 or 14. Uh That was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I remember listening to it in college and being like, wow, this is so cool. Like, it's just, uh, it's just like audio. Yeah. (laughs) It makes us sound so old. Right. And now we're on a podcast that is like 50 times dumber than that. Um, but yep. it makes people laugh. So yeah, I think that's well, not this one. Sorry. I meant the Levitard show. No, this your, one's your also your show's dumb very and smart. hopefully makes people laugh. As I get older, you know, the passion for sports changes and it's just never going to be as never gonna fun. Be that. I like put like, just put yourself in 03 junior year, just got my license. I finally have some freedom. My parents are letting me go to as many games as like me and my buddy just hopping in the car, going to like, I, I swear to God, I went to 60 games that year. I'm telling you, I'm probably making, I'm probably exaggerating a little that bit. That seems like a lot. I don't I'm think that's telling right. you, dude, every day, especially late in the year, we were there through August, September, all the games, literally mm-hmm. every day, fish tank, $4 <sighs> tickets, go sit behind the first base dugout, like money in the bank to go get those the 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 chips remember the chips at old pro player stadium like i actually the, do the thick ones you remember the like the like they were like potato like they're like homemade potato the, like chips, potato skin they would chips. sometimes dangle and you get like uh-huh. the accordion chip oh i can just sing back those i'd get an arepa and eat like two <laughs> bites of it of it and then throw it away because it's one of those things you can't eat an entire thing of you mm-hmm. want it like the first three or four bites is amazing but it's just well and especially I'm, I'm rambling like now the, but it's no just, but it's the fourth inning and it's 2 12 p.m on a sunday uh, afternoon and it's a thousand degrees outside uh, and it's like all right i only need a few few bites of this but it's uh, great and then you could have one of those what were the the frozen lemonade icy uh, pints the frozen oh, lemon lemonade. chills yeah, yeah oh the chill. lemon chill you got it Dude. that and then the guy the with the guy with the the peanuts with the tennis ball. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That would throw you the. I would buy peanuts just to play catch with the tennis ball. Like I didn't uh-huh. even want peanuts. I like that. And I was just like, mm. I want to. I want to. Uh, here, go, get me. Put the twin, little Twinkie in there. I put too much money in there just so he throws it back with change. So Ooh. It's like I get just if you put too much money to in there, you get the extra throw in. And speaking of the Miami Marlins, uh, you guys might not remember one of the craziest moments of the Marlins season was when there was that rainout against the Mets who were already sort of out of it and there was the whole issue with the grounds crew and Skip Schumacher going out on the field and wanting to like rake the field himself and messing with the grounds crew and everybody being all up in arms and was it going to affect the Marlins chase of the playoffs? Did it ultimately do so? One way or another, they made it. But that day and that aftermath was completely insane. And I was lucky enough to have, including a number of other really great baseball guests throughout the year, including June Lee and others, the guys from Cespedes Family Barbecue, Jordan Schusterman, Jake Mintz, and Jake was actually at that game where the Mets and the Marlins were playing in New York, 
and joined me the very next morning. We broke it all down. This is a bit of a lengthier clip, but it's worth listening to. I have a million questions, but I just want your your sort of initial thoughts as you were watching all of this play out last night and, and your initial takeaways of, of what's gone down here in the calamity with the field in New York. So part of what's been weird about this whole series is the gap in urgency between wow, yeah. these two organizations at the moment, which is understandable. The Mets have had one of the most catastrophic seasons in baseball history compared to the expectations. And the Marlins have been better than most people thought they'd be and are fighting for a playoff spot. And so in the Mets locker room yesterday, where I was, I was in there, players are packing up bags and getting ready to be done, right? And the Marlins are, you know, praying to whatever God they believe in that, you know, Louisa Rise can walk tomorrow. <laughs> and so it is a very different energy between the two sides. And that gap of an urgency manifested itself in terms of getting the field ready. The Mets did not have the field ready to go on Tuesday. And that created a, an atmosphere of distrust between the Marlins and the Mets, more specifically between Skip and the Mets grounds crew. Mm -hmm. And so in my opinion, what happened last night on Thursday, as weird as it was, was more forgivable than I think the way it was responded to. And that's just, but the frustration was understandable given how Skip was kind of, and the Marlins were screwed over the night before, uh, on Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I think things are at. Like, I don't need to tell people in Miami that what happens when it rains a lot. Right. You know what I mean? I know you folks have a roof on the It's why we have a roof. It's why we have a roof. roof. It's why we have a roof. So I don't want to sit here in New York City as a, you know, Northeast elitist and be like, guys, relax. It's raining. Right. Okay. I'm not doing that. And I'm not a Mets fan, to be clear. I'm not trying to justify the organization's Mm -hmm. handling this, but it's very simple. The Mets owner, Steve Cohen, publicly apologizing for how things were handled does not happen if he does not believe the organization messed up. Mm -hmm. Simple as. And the Marlins are the unfortunate recipient of all of this uh, bad vibeness. Well, and I think a lot of Marlins fans are infuriated also in part because if you really lump it all together in the emotions of the last 24 hours of the general Miami sports fan and what (laughs) the last 24 hours have felt like from a sort of regulatory league standpoint, it has been a disaster for Miami sports fans when you include the Damian Lillard news in all of this. So you wrap the the mutual Marlins Heat fan together. And this frustration is real, and it's sort of understandable. It dates all the way back, again, to this weekend. And I think there's this sort of feeling around Marlins fan base, which is like, hey, we're the little guy. Nobody cares because we're the Marlins and, you know, there's not as many fans in attendance and, oh, nobody really cares whether it's us or the Cubs who make it as the third wild card, where... If this was the shoe on the other foot, if this was the Mets, if this was the New York market, what would be happening right now? So, Jordan, I mean, when that's sort of the response from the Marlins fan base, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I I get it. I I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I can't say that your feelings are invalid. But I would say is, like, I do think, and this is, applies to... A lot of things, especially when you're talking about this point of season, it is all a confluence of timing and unfortunate weather, right? And combined with the don't like it, play better mentality, which I do think you can apply to like 95% of baseball players complaining situations, right? Mm -hmm. 
win by don't leave it to the end of the game to yeah maybe know, don't be down one nothing after eight innings yeah score against david peterson win more baseball games in these other situations like there's so many different versions mm-hmm. of that that when you're better teams forget the market size you don't have to worry about right but this kind of happened not that i mean i can't remember this level of chaos in terms of potentially having a weather thing involving and by the way you know understandably we're on a marlins podcast we're thinking about this from the marlins perspective as we should this could mess up all kinds of stuff for a lot of teams in oh, terms yeah. of what they're expecting this weekend. So, which as a neutral observer, you know, we host a podcast and we talk about everybody. It's like hilarious for us, but we're also kind of overwhelmed by the chaos that potentially is is heading our way in the next few days. So, but like I said, I totally understand where your thing is like, oh, they wouldn't, but I don't understand how it would really be. Maybe it would be talked about differently. Yeah. I think, more, more I think that's more. I think that's more of what it is. More people is would, would have be like, "Oh, well, rallying around the, the poor Mets," where there is this sort of feeling of, "Oh, it's just people shouting into the night." Hey, sure. let's help the Marlins. But on the flip side, this also sets up one of the the from a from a neutral <laughs> observer standpoint, this sets up one of the coolest playoff scenarios in the history of baseball. Like you could have oh, the Marlins yeah. flying back to New York to play one out of the top half of the ninth inning. And then the bottom half of the ninth inning for their yeah. season at yeah. City Field. I mean, how cool is that? It's it's so cool. Although, again, if we're talking about Skip Schumacher being stressed out. Oh, my God. How are you managing your bullpen? I mean, you have to win one day at a time, right? Like, you're not going to save Tanner Scott for Monday. Absolutely If you not. need him to pitch Saturday and Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's the other thing, right? I could see a scenario where this weekend if they like win one or two or whatever, basically it gets to a point where because they lost to the pirates, they need to go play on Monday. And it's like, well, beat the pirates. Right. And like, that's a situation that is also very realistic. So there's (laughs) Monday is a long time from now in baseball terms. It's so long. And we, uh, we will see what happens. Well, and what's crazy is, is look, the Marlins magic number is three. If they just go sweep the Pirates, none of this is in the discussion. They don't have to worry about how the Cubs play. They don't have to worry about going back to New York. I believe three was also Jack Johnson's magic number. (laughs) How did that work out? Yeah. Are the Marlins going to reduce, reduce and recycle? So glad that all ended up working out for the Marlins ultimately. Uh, And that Marlins wild card run was really spurned by a couple of things. It was Luis Arias and his spectacular season where he flirted with hitting 400 throughout the year, winning a silver slugger. And then the trade deadline acquisitions of Jake Berger and Josh Bell. Now, all three of those guys are going to be back in the Marlins lineup headed into 2024. And I thought these two clips would be really interesting to play back to back. Luis Arias shared with me why you'll always see a smile on his face on the field. And Jake Berger shared with me What had gone on for him mentally when he had to overcome multiple Achilles tears? So you're sort of getting the highs and the lows of baseball sort of, you know, on and off the field. And so I figured these two clips sort of summarize what made the 2023 Marlins so great. A couple of really, really awesome gentlemen spending some time on this podcast. Enjoy these clips with Arise and Berger. And then I support a lot of my teammates. If we got a really good clubhouse, I think we'd be good. And then that's why we play really good baseball. But I'm coming here every day. Sometimes I don't feel good. But when I, I make a smile 
And then when I got coming with energy like Segura, that guy, he got really good energy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's starting here right now, but couples get getting to go. He's struggling. He still do the energy. And I said, wow, this is the guy we need because he play hard. I mean, the team's not good outside, but he, inside the clubhouse, he's really good. Mm-hmm. He just... He worked hard, and then when I saw Segura smiling, he got he not got really good numbers. I said, wow, he enjoyed this because this is baseball is hard. Everybody understand baseball is hard. We get, this is my job, and then I wanna get here every day because if you not get here every day or I do something bad, I go home. Yep. You know, I needed to do something good, try to do so, a little thing like, for example, I, I see Rooney in second. I try to move the running, and I'm working for my team. I try to help my team win, you know. So that's me, and then I'm coming, I'm coming here to give a lot of energy to my teammates. And uh, if we got the same energy, I mean, everybody's different, but if we continue to play like that with energy, I think we can do a lot of good things. I got uh, diagnosed with PTSD um, after my second one, uh, second tear, and uh you know, it's it, when you hear the words PTSD. You know, it's uh, you, you think about um, you know military action or uh, law enforcement action or uh, the medical uh, world. But um, you know, I, I didn't really understand what what it meant, and uh, you know, I was going through a really tough battle with that. And um, you know, I think that that led to a lot of the uh, depression and anxiety I had. Um, while also not being able to play the game I love and, um, you know, do, do something that, um, you know, I've been doing my entire life. Right. So, um, you know, that, that was kind of the, the start of the battle was, was the diagnosis of PTSD. And, um, you know, I started questioning if I was ever going to play baseball again. Um, you know, I've talked to my parents about, um, you know, quitting multiple times and, uh, they, they always just talk to me about not regretting anything in life. And if I do quit, um, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm going to regret it. So, um, that was in 2019 when I had that conversation with my parents. So I remember the day and, um, you know, kind of how, how I presented it to them. Um, and then 2020, um, get to spring training and, um, the world shuts down. Right. Right. Um, and so that was an, another, like, just like, oh my God, like, how am I going to, how am I going to get back to, you know, who I am as a baseball player? Um, I sat, sat in my hotel room, uh, for spring training and thought long and hard about it. And, um, uh, you know, I decided to send out a tweet, which is, uh, still mm-hmm. pinned on my Twitter. Yes, um, it is. basically talking about, Hey, like, this is what I've been dealing with. Um, you know, thanks for everybody that's been concerned about me. Um, I'm going to get this out here. And if anybody wants to reach out, they can, um, you know, because for me, you know, I, I had this experience where it's like, okay, I feel like my the, the whole part of my life is taken away from me, you know, and there's so many people out there that are having the same thing done to them. You know, mm-hmm. I want to try and use my story to help as many people as I can. Um, and I had over a thousand DMs, you know, talking about whether they're dealing with something or their family members dealing with something. And, um, you know, you realize how, how big of a issue this is, you know, yeah. and, and how big, um, it stretches, you know, it, it can affect anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and one fan in particular, uh, you know, reached out to me and we had a nice chat about it. And, and um, I was playing in Norfolk, um, Virginia and, and triple a, and, um, he actually came to the game and wrote me a letter and basically, you know, just talking about 
how I helped them and stuff. And, you know, for me, it's that, that tweet wasn't about being selfish or anything. You know, I just wanted to help 1% of the people out there yeah. as best I can. And, you know, if I just help one person, that's, that's a win for me. All right. And ultimately, guys, this, this is a podcast. This exists in the digital media space. I am the digital host and reporter for Bally Sports. So my job is to keep up with what's going on on the interwebs where the kids are talking on TikTok <laughs> and a trend that was going on right around Panthers Media Day was asking men how often they thought about the Roman Empire. So I had to ask nearly every member of the Florida Panthers. This is our final clip. Enjoy the rest of your 2023. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And find out if the Florida Panthers think about the Roman Empire. See you in 2024. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? I saw this on TikTok, so actually my girlfriend asked me this question the other day. This is this has been flying around social media quite a bit lately. My wife asked me this the other day. The Roman Empire? Mm -hmm. Never. All right, cool. Good good correct <laughs> answer. It's a TikTok trend. Never, to be honest. Never. Never. Uh, never. Never. <laughs> okay. All right. See, most people are saying never. I feel like this is the common answer. Probably, I don't know, either like two to four times throughout a, a year, I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Two to four times a year is a totally reasonable amount. Yeah, Congratulations, so. you passed. Yeah. I said not too much, but I guess uh, a couple times this week now. <laughs> I know this question. Um, <laughs> definitely more now because I keep seeing it. So right. I've been thinking about it quite a bit the last uh, two weeks, but... Before that, um, probably not that often, maybe like once a month. You know, it's funny. I think this trend has totally defeated the purpose. If you want like days per week. Yeah, give me days per week. Maybe a couple. Really? Yeah, maybe a couple, a couple. days per week. Yeah, indirectly. I'm not thinking about, you know, the Roman, but I'll think of something and then it goes back to the Roman Empire. It's like, huh. All these dudes are like, I don't know, like three to five times a week. And it's like, what, what do you, what? I don't <laughs> ever think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> I think so, I did see that one yeah. time and I was so confused. And well, now that I've said it out loud, it's going to show up on your TikTok because they're yeah. all listening anyway. But anyway, exactly. how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Every day. Every day. I like, all right, every day. I love that answer. All right, every day.